This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willer for letting us use his music at our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Okay, so I turn to the men with the hoods. You asked us to come here, what do you want? Yeah, we did the thing with the water and the five stones and even said the words. Mostly. Right, mostly. The hooded men mutter to one another, then hold their lanterns aloft. One lays a great tome upon the flat stone in front of you, opening it to an illuminated page. Damn, that is a big book. The leader of the hooded men points to the painting on the page, showing two figures that look disturbingly like the two of you. Hey, look, that's us. The leader raises his hands. Long have we waited for this moment. The stars are right. The moons and planets have aligned. The signs and portents have prophesied this day. And now fate has brought you to us. And so, what did you say your names were? Chad. Aaron. The hooded man seems confused as he looks at the book again. And so you, Chad and Karen... You will be the ones to face Dark Death Mort, flayer of flesh, devourer of bones, and drinker of blood. Cool, cool. Prophecy, flayer dude, right, right, okay. Sounds like a happening dude. Do we get paid for this, or are you at least going to comp our parking? You know, do you validate? But we have a couple of warhorses out by the entrance of the Henge. Uh, Don't look at me like that. You chose us. And with that, after the freeze... Welcome to the 453rd episode of the Mr. Jamark Podcast. Tonight, we continue our discussion of character backgrounds by workshopping the chosen one in tabletop roleplay games. Along the way, we'll take your suggestions, comments, and examples live from the chat room for life on Twitch before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. Hey, you're back. Yeah. Apologies uh, to everyone. Uh, There was a brief glitch for some reason, and the stream disconnected on my end. (laughs) Okay. So, unfortunately, uh, Rob may have to stitch a little bit of the audio at the beginning, but we'll see. All right. So, as we are now ready to do the thing, let's go through our little temperature check, see how everybody's feeling. We'll go to Phil, because I know Phil is not exactly feeling peak. Uh, I'm under the weather, actually. Um, my kids are now two for two. They not only gave me COVID, uh, but they've also passed along a head cold to me this week. Um, I came down with it Sunday, knocked me out um, out of the game. I slept for like, I don't know, like two and a half hours Sunday afternoon. I woke up like at six <laughs> and I was like, oh, we can't play tonight. Like I'm dead. Um, I've been off yesterday. I had a awful night's sleep. I didn't have any decongestant Sunday night and um, the CPAP was not cutting it for um, clearing my air passage. So I like woke up every hour on the hour Monday. I slept better last night and uh, I'm hopped up on Sudafed right now. It doesn't sound like it because I should be a little more excited, but trust me, this is just keeping me from falling asleep. So I'm not feeling fantastic. I try to take it easy on my voice tonight and uh, going to hopefully get through this hopefully one more day at home i should be through this i had the uh the big sneezy phase today which for me is usually the um is usually the quarter three 
moment, like like where we start to turn the tide on this thing. So I don't feel fantastic yet, but I'm sneezing a lot. Hopefully not tonight on the show and uh, hopefully kind of moving this thing out. Uh, Physically, other than that, I'm fine. But man, I haven't had a head cold since 2019. And man, is this not fun? I liked it. I like not having colds like this. Like, I mean, this is nothing. Don't get me wrong. Like, this is just a head cold, but still like, ugh. anyway, Jerry, how about you? Pretty good for the most part. Um, I did not get a head cold this weekend. Um, I don't so, know. You hung out with me on Saturday night. So you have to, you, uh, head colds don't, la- don't, don't last. I mean, I might've had a head cold, but I probably slept it off because, because of my allergies and sinuses and the fact I'll go through a head cold in like four hours. Um, my body doesn't doesn't do that kind of thing. It's I get other sicknesses, but not generally head colds. They don't normally last for more than about half a day. But uh, no, I've been good. Um, just kind of doing stuff at work has been very very busy. Um, so I've just been working like till six seven o'clock every night and then rushing back home again. Which uh, other than that, I'm just I'm doing pretty well. I'm feeling okay. I'm just a little exhausted. Bob? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um... Just trying to keep up with uh, some exercises to keep my neck from getting cranky again. Um, a lot of my sinus troubles come from my neck getting out of whack. So when I start getting all congested and drippy and stuff, I'm like, wait a minute, is it a cold? Mm, let's see. Uh, no, my neck's out of whack. <laughs> so uh, other than that, uh, feeling, feeling pretty good. So let's roll on into the thing, the one thing. Um, my one thing for this week um, is dual brick therapy. Uh, I had actually forgotten how much I missed or how much I enjoyed um, playing Minecraft. And now that we've got the new pack going, um, that virtual brick therapy is uh, is much, much, much needed. Um, very enjoyable. And then I supplemented that with some uh, Lego brick therapy, some physical bricks. Um, I got the remainder of the set of um, of Marvel uh, minifigs um, that they put out, and I also bought the um, the set from uh, What If uh, Captain Carter What If with the Hydra Stomper and uh, the Red Skull and and Captain Carter. So I put those all together. That Hydra Stomper is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, doing uh, doing the brick therapy and uh, just kind of uh, letting everything go. So that's me. What about you, Jerry? Um, we went uh, this weekend. Um, Chris had a little movie party at his house, and about eight of us got together and watched the new Dune movie. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I and I, I'm one of the people that enjoyed the original David Lynch version. Um, it's not amazing, but I enjoyed it for what it was. It was fun. And this was a much more serious, um, beautiful movie. It's not fast-paced but it's got really good characters and some beautiful vistas and scenery and gives you the real feel of it being a totally uh, alien futuristic storyline. And I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to the second one and whatever else they decide to do with it. Um, And goddamn does Timothy Chamolet look like a young Oscar Isaac. There are some scenes in that movie where he turns the camera and he looks like Leto's son and just uh, all the acting is top notch. The acting is over the top and, and uh, in a good way, and it's a lot of fun. But holy crap, does that kid look like Oscar Isaac's son? They should cast those two together with more stuff. That's me, Phil. Uh, yeah. Um, so while laid up, um, I decided to start watching uh, Squid Game mm-hmm. on Netflix. I mean, that's not super new, but I got around to watching it. 
Um, I'm a little over halfway through the series. Uh, I had to take a break. I got to like a really emotional episode and was like, yeah, I'm going to have to stop watching for a little bit. Um, which, which game was that? Uh, the marbles. Oh yeah. Yes. I was not okay after that, uh, after that game. Like I was not okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to give spoilers away in case people are watching it, but I was like, I was very much like I finished that episode and I was like, I'm going to need to take a break and watch something lighter for a little while. Mm-hmm. Like I got to, I, I like, it's going to take me another day or two before I can re-engage it. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to say this though. Um, Cause I've seen people mention this on the internet. Um, this show is not for everybody. No. Um, it is dark. It is. Um, uh, I, I'm not even sure exactly where to pin it. I mean, there are horrors of capitalism in it. Um, it is definitely dark. It is violent. Um, it does not show humanity in its um, in its best light. Um, yep. Far from it. Um, so I've seen people on the internet be like, you know, do I need to watch the show? No, you do not need to watch this show. Like, you should watch the show if those kinds of things um, appeal to you. Which um, those kinds of things. I mean, I like I like dark stories and I like crime stories and things like that. So, like, I was definitely in for giving it a shot. Um, but I will tell you that this thing will punch you in the feels like you will, you will like characters and you will not be happy like before this show's done. Um, but yeah, that was, um, but I will say this, um, it's a very interesting story. Um, it's super creepy. Um, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's well, it's well shot. It's, it's well acted. Um, the characters in it are very good. Like you will like you will like and connect to these characters, which is at some points worse because of the nature of the story. Um, so I have a lot of feels about it. I'm enjoying it, but by no means would I like blanket recommend it to people. I would very much recommend it with a lot of caveats. Um, and the main characters reminded me a lot of characters from if you've seen other Korean shows like Train to Busan or The Host or or the original Korean Old Boy that kind of thing where the main characters are really interesting, but at least initially they're not very likable when you first meet them, a lot of them yeah, and they, they grow on you and they're very complicated characters. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah. It is. It is definitely very, it is definitely well-written like the characters um, and they, and, and they're covering a lot of ground in this thing. I mean, like yeah. there's a lot of material that has to get covered in each episode and they do a really good job of, of, um, of getting through it. But I'm telling you, I am not right after that episode. Hmm. Like, I am not okay. I, and I knew, like, I knew fairly quickly what was like what was on the line. And I was like, oh man, like. And then that episode ended, and I was like, oh, I gotta just turn it off for a little bit. Like, gonna need a break. Gonna need a break before I can get through the next the last four episodes. I will finish it though. But um, it it's definitely a thing. I love the surrealness of the the world and the games and the color schemes they chose and everything else. It's, it's disturbingly just, it's, surreal, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah, like it's the whole, like it's purposely made to make you very uncomfortable. Like, and it goes to exceptionally good lengths to do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is definitely, like I said, it is a show you need to be uncomfortable <laughs> while watching. Um, and if you're not in for that, you should totally not watch this. And if you're not uncomfortable watching it, get help. <laughs> that would also be that would all yeah if you are in any if, if by chance you are excited while watching it you might also want to check with like a check with a counselor mm-hmm. 
All right, anyway, that's me. Yeah. All right, I don't oh. believe we have any announcements. Oh, boy. Um, see what's coming up. Yeah, you ready for a um, kind of a... I, right. I'm expecting like a 50% effort here. Don't go, don't right, go, on. don't go like hang up on. Let above, me just get, above 75. Let me get a, let me, let me, let me pre-water. Get you if you want, I can stop. I, I can do it if you can, Phil. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to give it, a, I'm going to give it a go. Go for it. One All take right. Phil. Go for it. Workshop, workshop. It's the chosen one. You have been selected by the powers that be to change the fate of the world. And now you've got to do it without wrecking your campaign. And we're going to talk all about it tonight here in the workshop. And don't, don't suck. suck. All well right. done, Phil. So, well done. Well done. You're still there with us. Man, that was giving it your all. So, so why are we talking about the chosen one? Uh, we debated a little bit about the best way to address this and decided it was a workshop in the GMs better than just looking at it as a background check. So tonight we're going to look at the chosen one as part of a whole campaign framework on how to get them into your games, how to work with them, and how to play them. And we may come back to a future episode and talk about them as a background check and give more advice about for players. But today we're going to focus mostly on GMs and characters. All right. And of course, to get this kicked off, Phil, what kind of definitions do we have after I hit this button? Behold, you are in the presence of Definition Panda. Oh, hey, I'm back. How's it going? <laughs> um, all right. Our definition for tonight, of course, we've got to define the chosen one. Uh, to which we go to TV Tropes, one of my favorite websites, um, which defines the chosen one as um, these characters have been chosen by some force and they are now the only ones capable of resolving the plot. We'll pick apart this a little yeah, to kind of get into it. But I think, again, TV Tropes is made for TV. We're going to have to kind of tease it out a little mm-hmm. to get to uh, what that means in an RPG. But let's let's do that, right? So the chosen one is a person or persons. Um, there is some problem in the universe that needs to be resolved. And for reasons known or unknown, the chosen one is the person who can resolve that problem um, in whatever way. We don't actually, we may not even know that up front. We may know it up front. We may not. Um, the chosen one may or may not know that they're special. Right. They could just have a normal life when all of a sudden they're swept up by events and, you know, suddenly find out they're the chosen one. Um, Sometimes these people have hints about it. Right. Like they might feel special or different, but still might not know, um, you know, that they're the chosen one. Um, And um, or or it could be the exact opposite. They could be somebody who's trained their whole lives for this problem, like to solve this problem. Right. They might have gone through, you know, rigorous training and preparation and everything else for this moment. Okay. There's a force, something, someone, whatever it is that has selected this person as the chosen one. Um, the, the person themselves doesn't get to say they're the chosen one. Um, although that is a trope in a lot of chosen one stories is people either saying they are or aren't the chosen one. Um, the force could be something tangible, right? It could be a prophet. It could be a legend or prophecy that was told a long time ago. Um, it could be divine, celestial. Um, it, it could be all sorts of things, but usually it's something, it's not anything typically ordinary because uh, let's face it, the chosen one is kind of a um, somewhat mystical, mythical kind of um framework so the power the force that has chosen them has is usually 
you know, something bigger than us. Um, and then we've got our problem, our challenge or enemy that the chosen one has to defeat. Um, it could be any number of things. It could be sealing a portal. It could be, um, it could be killing a bad guy, slaying a monster. Um, we got a lot of, we got a lot of options for what it is, whatever it is, it's going to be some sort of challenge slash confrontation. Um, and the stakes are also going to be incredibly high. Like the chosen one, isn't like the person who decides, you know, what you'll have for dinner. The chosen one is going to solve some sort of um, world affecting universe affecting problem. Um, this problem may already exist, right? It could be an existing curse or an occupying force that is already present that the chosen one is going to remove. Um, or the chosen one could be um, there to stop something from manifesting. Right, so if 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 the chosen if the chosen one does their thing to prevent some sort of terrible damage, death, or despair, Jared, did I miss anything in that? In terms well, I think of you got it. Okay, in terms of think, pulling it together for an RPG, I think, and it could be more than one, and yep. you could have uh, even successions of them, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, chosen one might not always be the person who actually finishes it. Yep, it might. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It might facilitate um, something. Exactly. Jared, tell me about, because um, there's no shortage of chosen ones <laughs> in media. So um, what did we pull together for, for tonight? We've got a bunch of them. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about, just mentioned at least, we're not going to talk about it, mentioned Buffy Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, either the movie or the TV series. Um, Neo for The Matrix. Kale from the movie Titan AE. I put that one in for Bob. I, I figured that. That one was, <laughs> that, that one was strictly for Bob. But it, but it fits. Yeah. Um, I mean, talk about reluctant hero. Um, Alex Rogan from The Last Starfighter. <clears throat> Billy Batson from the Captain Marvel series Shazam. Frodo from Lord of the Rings. Uh, Lilu from The Fifth Element. Leroy Green from The Last Dragon. There's your trained his entire life for it. I uh, uh, I had quite I had quite a bit of fun watching clips of The Last Dragon. <laughs> uh, the 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 end fight. Yeah. Just just to kind of warm up, you know, as I was as I was prepping the notes. Who doesn't like a little Shonuff, the Shogun of Hanum? The Shogun of Hanum. Ash from the Evil Dead movies, especially Evil Dead 2 and 3. Um, Chandler Gerald from The Golden Child, literally spoken of as the Chosen One. Um, as as Phil pointed out, Paul Atreides from Dune. Um, I was wondering, Hal Jordan of the Green Lantern Corps, because the Green Lantern Corps, you're only given it if you're if you're chosen to kind of succeed than the person in front of them. Yeah, doesn't, a lot of doesn't them the ring powerful. doesn't the ring choose you? I think so. Yes, traditionally the ring the chooses the bear. Yeah. yeah. So so yes. Um, okay. So I guess all right. So that's interesting because in our definition, in our definition, it, it fits some of our definition, right? So it fits the definition that it was selected by higher power. Um, the problem part is for Hal Jordan is very vague, right? Like oh. to protect the universe. So yeah. Probably Hal Jordan. It's on the mm-hmm. loose end. Guy Gardner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Guy Gardner counts. Guy Gardner is like the he's anomaly. A, like if you're looking for the bug in the software, Guy Gardner yeah. is the proof that like this something's wrong with the selection criteria. I mean, a Green Lantern yeah. in general is is on the is on the weak side of it because there's like seven thousand Green Lanterns across the universe. The universe I have no is idea big. What the real though. number is. You know, yeah. they're, they're covering a lot like, of. There's space. a shit ton yeah. of Green Lanterns. 
Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Hell Jordan, though, I think because he had the, I think he had more willpower than a lot of the others and was able to stand up against forces and foes that uh, the other lanterns couldn't, even as groups. Who's the last uh, lantern that I'm thinking of? Not, um, not Kyle Render? Nah, I like Kyle John, Stewart. John Stewart? Yes, John Stewart from, uh, from the cartoon. That's yeah, like he, my. He's, 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 like two, he's like two or three lanterns back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I, I like, I, I, I liked him in Justice League. That's good. What, oh, yes, very much so. So that's that's a, a a short list. You can add your own, and feel free to toss us some of your ideas. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the chosen one is not just a character type, but it's also a story framework. So now that we understand a little bit more about what uh, the the definition and everything is, Jerry, what does a simple version of the story arc look like? All right. Uh, the Chosen One story arc is going to have lots of different variations, but the most common one that's going to be familiar to a lot of us is the hero's journey. Even if you're not familiar with the term itself, um, you're probably familiar with it as a literary structure because it's prevalent in a lot of media. And it was summed up wonderfully by Joseph Campbell. Um, he described the hero's journey uh, in a particular way. Phil, can you tell us how he described it? Hero ventures forth from the world of common day into a region of supernatural wonder Fabulous forces are there encountered, and a decisive victory is won. The hero comes back from this mysterious adventure with the power to bestow boons on his fellow man. Wow. Campbell decomposed this into like 17 steps, which is much too much for us to cover here. And other scholars have taken those and grouped them differently. And there's probably a number of different Wikipedia articles to go over. But using that as source material, here's a framework of a story arc that could be for a typical chosen one. Sure. Um, so the first part is the call to adventure, right? An ordinary life is interrupted with a need to undertake some kind of adventure. And then the next step is generally the hero refuses the call. Often the chosen refuses the call entirely and attempts to just keep their normal life. Yep. Uh, then there's the crossing, crossing of the threshold, the point where the hero leaves their ordinary world and enters the extraordinary world. And that's going to lead to the road of trial, trials, which is going to be a series of tests or challenges or adventures that test the hero. Yep. And then there's transformation, enlightenment, right? The moment where the chosen one unlocks the source of their power and realizes they can confront the danger. And then they confront that danger. They face the danger fully in confrontation, embodying their role as the chosen one. Uh, And then realization of their role in the universe. After defeating the danger, they come to realize their role in the universe, which could be like retirement, right? Like now that my job's done, I can go forth and live like a simple life. Um, or it could be a new calling. Like now that this is done, there is more evil in the world to be confronted. I know what I must do. And of course, there's going to be variations of versions on the structure. Uh, like I take the framework and make it work over a bunch of different genres and stories. It might not be supernatural. It might just be more unusual than what they're used to dealing with. But it can be any variation on this. I could fit like I can fit like ten movies into that structure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like as we were talking about, I'm like, uh, that's the Matrix. Um, somebody's got it. One of you wrote in the notes, this is the last Starfighter. Absolutely. Right. I'm like, still gonna argue that. it's they're so the hero's the hero's journey, whether it's a chosen one or not, the hero's journey is hero's a journey very is common structure. Prevalent. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So clearly, Phil, there's an appeal to the story. Okay. Why do you think it's so popular? Right. Um, little armchair psychology, right? By no means am I an expert in any of this, but I'll share my thoughts on it. Um, I think the appeal of the chosen one, right, is the idea that there's someone like ourselves, somebody who's just ordinary, living like a regular life, um, that finds out that they're not ordinary, right? They they actually find out they're they're quite extraordinary. 
um, I think that appeals to us, right? A lot of, you know, uh, in our daydreams, in our Ralph Phillip-like moments for you Warner <laughs> Brother uh, fans, in our Ralph Phillip-like moments, we have daydreams of, uh, you know, being extraordinary. Um, it is the okay, idea that the Ralph Phillips. Ralph Phillips is a cartoon character from Warner Brothers. He was a kid that was daydreaming in school, and the, oh, it's a classic cartoon. Yes, Ralph Phillips. Yes, Ralph. thank you. Yes, yes. So it's a very obscure. There's only like think like two Ralph Phillips Warner Brother cartoons. They would just show up in the medley of cartoons from time to time. Anyway, um, I think it's also the idea that like um, our ordinary world can be interrupted by great adventure. Right. Like our day to day going to work, going to the grocery store, that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, like to find out like, oh, no, like there is a, you know, like you are needed. There's a great adventure that awaits you. Like that's Neo. Right. In the beginning, that's that's Mr. Anderson. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, he's like in his office, in his cube and suddenly finds out like, you know, he's part of something much bigger Um, to find out that we're not ordinary. We're somebody special. Right. That we're going to save the world. We're going to make like a big impact. Right. Like that's appealing to a lot of people. Um, and you know, it's just in part of it, it's because it's just in contrast to what is really, you know, our boring day-to-day lives. I mean, if most of us, if we're lucky, live pretty boring lives, um, hell, it's probably the reason a lot of us play role-playing games, right? Is because we have like pretty mundane lives and it gives us a chance to, um, to do something, to play something greater than that. Um, I also think that there's an appeal in watching a character grow into their destiny, Right. Uh, watching the character who like refuses the call, like, no, 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 I can't possibly. That's that's way too much of an adventure. Um, seeing them, seeing their reaction the first time they glimpse the, the other world, um, you know, the first time Frodo leaves the Shire, that kind of thing. Um, we watch them struggle to embrace their destiny. We see the transformation. Right. Um, we'll talk about it later in the, in the thing, but like Neo's transformation in the matrix, I like, I just love, right. Like it's, I, I, I could watch it over and over. Yep. Um, and then we finally see evil vanquished. Right. And, um, I think that appeals to us, right? Like that's, that's, it's such a, um, it's such a, um, powerful, I guess, story, right? Like it, it just watching those things. Um, and even just kind of, you know, like I said, just embodying them, right. Thinking about like that, like, if it could be that ordinary person, it could be me, that kind of thing. True. And I think based on the sheer number of stories in the world, right, people find this framework appealing. Like there's no shortage of chosen one stories in almost any media. True facts. Yeah. yeah. Movies and other scripted media certainly make for good chosen one stories. But as we know, RPGs are far less predictable. So, Jerry, what are the challenges in doing a chosen one story arc in our games? All right, um, there's some pitfalls, but most of them are going to be avoidable if we take some time to prep for them. So we're going to talk about the pitfalls now, and then we're going to talk about ways to set up a good arc for the role-playing game. But the main problems of the chosen one arc come down to two things, the unpredictability of dice and the length of time it takes to run a full campaign. Because RPGs often have a randomizer that helps determine the outcome of actions. But this conflicts with the media where the actions in a story or movie are going to be predetermined. Yeah, right. So like a writer of a story decides when a chosen one succeeds, fails, how much or how little they're harmed in the course of, you know, in the course of the, the narrative. Uh, RPGs put most of that face, fate often in dice, um, both in the hands of the players and in the hands of the GM. I think we've got to create several situations that can encounter to how we see this chosen one portrayed 
in other media. And this is going to prevent present two different problems. Right. So the first one is the chosen one could just be killed um, and killed in an in, in anticlimactic way uh, before the final confrontation even occurs. Had that happen. Um, this is and this is a big, big problem if you have a chosen one story. And one that is a GM, you need to figure out how you're going to deal with. Um, is a new chosen one going to be selected? Do you bring the chosen one back from the dead? What do you do? Yeah. Um, the other one is that, you know, in the big confrontation, the chosen one fails. They fail to vanquish the evil, stop the ritual, like whatever. Like they, they fail. Mm-hmm. This is a big problem with the chosen one story. Um, if your evil requires a skill check, what are you going to do if they fail the role? Um, if your evil needs to be fought, um, what if it's a night where the chosen one just can't hit or can't touch it? And if you're the GM, are you going to fudge the roles? Either set up the mechanics that these roles are impossible to fail. What are you going to do if the chosen one fails to vanquish that evil? Yeah. Um, and all of this kind of goes down to how are you going to handle failure when it comes to the chosen one, when, when that's a player in the group of players? So you need to know as a GM what you're willing to do. Are you going to interfere? Are you going to not call for roles? Are you going to make the roles really impossible to fail? You absolutely have to have a plan in place, though, for what to do if the chosen one dies. Write it down, put it in your GMing notes, and be prepared for it in case it happens. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the next issue that you're going to have um, of, of, uh, of hanging a major – the next issue you have is hanging a major plot line on one player, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all know where this is going, right? What if the player leaves the game? Right. Don't worry about what if the player misses a game, right? That happens to every group, right? You just postpone or have a flashback that session. That's that's not a problem. But what I'm talking about is you have a chosen one and halfway into the campaign, they have a change in work schedule and can no longer game. Right? If your whole campaign was centered on this plot, you're stuck. Yep. Right? Which is why see above tip about having a plan if the chosen one does. And lastly, uh, in most of the media, but the Chosen One's a main character of the story. But in RPG, the given character is just one character in a troop. So you need to be able to share the spotlight among all the characters, make sure the Chosen One's arc in their time pursuing it doesn't overshadow the rest of the group. And this is going to get harder and harder the further you get into the story. And even the writers of Buffy had to make other characters more interesting over time. Yeah, I mean, this was like a big, I mean, that was a big, I, I mean, it was a, they did a good job of it. I, I don't think they ham, like ham fisted it in any way. But, um, you know, all the other characters had to get more interesting um, the further we got, in, you know, we had to, we had to get, you know, um, oh, sorry, slow it down. Yeah, Willow had to get into, into magic and, you know, Xander had that, um, that whole other um, life thing from that episode where he was like the, the army dude. They had a Halloween yeah. episode with the Halloween costumes making them actually that, yeah. Right. Yeah, they they had to upgrade the Scooby Gang in in multiple ways to to keep the whole thing viable as the show went along. All right, so there's obviously some challenges, but Jerry said these are solvable problems. So Phil, if we want to do a chosen one in an RPG, what are some ways to make it work? Well, we are literally just a few steps behind Professor Fox, uh, as I as I noticed, Professor Fox is. Um, uh, question in the chat room. So let me get to it right away, right? Building off of some of the things that we just talked about, how do we avoid these problems? First tip, don't have a chosen one, have mm-hmm. chosen ones, right? Don't structure the campaign on one character being the one, have the whole party be the one, 
mm-hmm. right? Um, this solves just just this one change solves so many problems with the, with the chosen one structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, the spotlight problems can be solved because everybody's going to be in the spotlight. They're all equally important. Second, if a player leaves your your game, the rest of the party is still the one. Uh, next. Um, if a few of the party members die, the group's going to keep going on. You just add more people back to it again. Uh, and finally, in the final battle, um, you know, whatever this final challenge is, the whole party is going to be involved. So um, there'll be people who are better suited for certain things. There'll be people who can support, give aid, you know, help a die roll. Like you have the whole party working on it instead of just one person. Mm-hmm. Overall, this one change is the best way to make the chosen one um, resilient as a campaign structure. And you still think about how to handle character death, but it's not going to be nearly as tricky. Um, first, you need to figure out, can a new person join the group also become one of the ones? Um, is there a ritual for that? Was it always destined to be that way? Um, I had that happen in a fantasy trip campaign that I was playing in, where um, the infamous one where I played two characters, one secretly. Um, And I occasionally had to take over as GM when the GM would duck out for a little while. And one of the ways we dealt with that was that one of the characters had a book that they'd stolen from the group of people who had the prophecy that supposedly talked about the characters in there. And we just, as, as uh, was mentioned, we just kept it very vague. The party was the chosen ones. The clues that pointed to the party definitely pointed to those characters, but could also be interpreted to, you know, the, the, the elf out of time. Well, that's this character here. But if another elf shows up, they could also be out of time. Maybe they're from a different time period. Maybe they're dying and they're almost out of time, whatever. Um, keeping those prophecies vague made a big difference and allowed us to keep swapping characters in and out. Um, because by the time we got to the end of that campaign, I was the only player who'd been there since the beginning. The, yeah, other, 15, you, the other 15 were other characters. So. Your prophecy does. Your prophecy should not have named characters in it. Yeah, That's probably yes. also a thing we should. John yeah, like, Smith, you are the chosen one. It's like no, mm-hmm. like some dude who was born under the sign of fire. Who correct? I mean, I, I mean that's literally the plot of Doom, which is that there are several prophecies that point to a particular character called by different things by different people, and some of them think that Paul Atreides may be the chosen one. Uh, some don't. Some think that he's one of many who could be the chosen one. I mean, that's part of the plot of the Bene Gesserit is that they're trying to make multiple chosen ones so that one of them survives and completes the prophecy. <laughs> you can have all of that in there. And um, love or hate that plot, that's one way you can handle it is you can have multiple chosen ones. Um, the, the Wheel of Time series with Grand Del Thor, the Dragon Reborn, Part of that is that there's people running around trying to make fake chosen ones or trying to force the prophecy onto other people. That's all things you can steal from to push things in there and have, you know, well, maybe the prophecy was wrong. You know, when they said red hair, maybe they just meant somebody who, you know, got a bad cut on their scalp and now they're always bleeding, whatever you want to put in there. Just work it, work it out. Vagueness, vagueness is your friend when it comes to prophecies. Um, Uh, but yeah, you definitely need like you will definitely need to know um, like if you're making it the group and, and you you know lose a character, you do need to decide like especially if the group has any kind of special power bonus or whatever. Um, does do new players get folded into that and how how would that work kind of thing? Okay, if you're gonna stick with a single character as the one, not my choice, but you know you might you might feel strongly that you want the one. Um, 
my next piece of advice is um, don't tell them at the start of the campaign. Like, yeah, they don't have to start the campaign as the chosen one. Um, you can just bring it up later in a story arc, mm-hmm. right? Um, you can just like you can just reveal it like a session or two before the big battle, as you know, just part of a story arc. Like, oh, by the way, surprise! Turns out, turns out, Bob's the chosen one. What? Right? Because um, you can then, um, what's called? Like, well, Jerry, what's what's the deal here? What 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 does it get us if we don't start our campaign by revealing the person as the one? Well, the obvious thing that if it, if you do it late enough in the story, if a player comes or goes, you don't risk losing that key player. You still have to address the issue of what to do if they die, um, even if that's found out real crappy. These things are going to happen, but you can still have some some guidelines in there. So. Yeah. I think it also addresses the spotlight issue, right? Because if your chosen one is only going to be the chosen one for a couple of sessions, mm-hmm. then like people will tolerate the spotlight being on that character for a couple of sessions and then it going back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much worse if you like start the campaign as I am the chosen one, um, you know, and then especially if the GM's trying to center a whole campaign around oh. that. Remind, Any- me to tell, remind me to tell you in the after show, uh, the, the little story about what happens when the chosen one is an NPC and the player characters kill them off deliberately. <laughs> Make your chosen one likable is, uh, <laughs> yes, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Can you think of any other, uh, any other tips? I mean, the big one here is really just make the party, the chosen one. Like you yeah. really save yourself. Like I can't like you, you just save yourself so much hassle, um, by, by, by going from character to party. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and keep the goal vague. Um, you know, if, if this chosen one is the one, you know, don't say they're the one who will kill the, the great evil have, you know, the chosen one is the one who will, you know, bring darkness upon the land or, 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 or free, free the land from darkness or lead this chosen one will lead the people to a, a new way of, of stopping the, the great evil one. Well, if they die along the way, they still led the party that far. That still qualifies. Sure, sure. Know, use those kinds of terms. Get good and feel free. Uh, the last thing I'll tell you is, and this is always my favorite one: table source the party. You know, as you start getting more and more stuff, ask them. You know, so so give me some vague examples of how you might qualify for this. Players, if you got good role players, they'll toss up all sorts of really fun, vague things that will also be good character hooks later on. Um, you know, when in when in doubt, never be afraid to hand the reins back to the party for a few seconds to give them a chance to bring things in. So, yeah. Which I think goes hand in hand with also the idea that um, your prophecy, if you have one, um, no matter what, no matter what structure you use, uh, the more vague, the better uh, until the end, it shouldn't be terribly vague right at the end, because at the end they have to do a thing. Um, but you can just set them up with the the knowledge of what they have to do right at the end. Um, mm-hmm. You can leave it vague all the way through and then just kind of drop that. Um, the final piece of clarity, the final wise person or the missing piece of the scripture, um, you know, when they finally translate it, then, you know, before the battle, um, figure out, you know, what, what they need to do kind of thing. Um but yeah, I think that that helps. Um, well, that, what that gives you, right, is it gives you a chance for creative interpretation. Um, it leaves you as a GM, like, for instance, if um, if you're very specific, like, the players must, you know, remove, like, 
kill and remove the heart of the dark one in order to restore peace to the land. Well, you've pretty much scripted that it, it can only be a battle. Yeah. But if you're like, they must, you know, vanquish the dark one back to his original realm. Well, the players may come up with all sorts of other ideas besides just a straight up fight. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and if you've left yourself that, that wiggle room in your prophecy, then even if you were thinking all along, like, oh, I'm going to make it a, I'm going to make it a big combat scene. And then they're like, oh no, no, no. What if we did this? You're like, okay, well that fits. And you know, like that fits under our prophecy. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then you, you have the room to rewrite. It. Um, yep. So that's another, like just having that vagueness um, and all prophecies are vague, right? Like yeah. part of the, part of the, part of the allure of the prophecy is figuring out the, cryptic language how it maps on to the real world stuff so yeah don't don't write that super clear no and you'll you'll have you'll have a lot of wiggle room to mess around with so so my question was is lone star from Spaceballs a chosen one couldn't tell you he had he had the he had the little amulet around oh no no he totally is he's totally the yeah yeah ridiculous but yes Ridiculous is good. We like ridiculous. Yes. So, absolutely. So, all right. So anyway, that's our overview of how to run the chosen one in your game. Uh, but first, we're going to take a break and check out the chat room. Bob's going to tell us about another show on the Mr. Bark Network. Yeah. So uh, Bone, Stone, and Obsidian is a fine little show where Jesse and Robert take monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all editions of D&D. Again, this mm-hmm. is one of my... Uh, this is one of my uh, oh, what's the term I want? It's not a white whale, um, but it's a uh, it's a game that I have not gotten to play, a setting that I have not gotten to play that I would love to to sit down and, and throw a character into. <clears throat> um, just hasn't happened yet. Who knows? Maybe someday. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, the uh, the chat room is uh, is is doing a fine job of twisting things like you know removing the the heart of the Dark Lord, uh, the heart of the Dark One, according to Andy, could be their main power source. Sure, or Lemming sure. one twenty seven cool. says, or uh, uh, wh- whomever the the big bad guy loves could yes. be removing his heart. Yes, um, or the main fortress, or the villain's pet. There are plenty of ways that you can go. Even if you screwed up a little bit and thought, oh, I made that a little too specific. It's like, did you? (laughs) I mean, it is definitely one of the tropes of the, um, it is definitely one of the tropes of of prophecies Mm -hmm. is the, well, I think it's this way, but then only to discover that it's really this way. Yes. Yeah. Especially if it's like a 180, like you really think it's going down this path over here. And and it's like whoa! It was like the complete opposite of that, and it still fits. It's like okay, <laughs> all right, I can dig yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, if you if you vague it up, you you not only give yourself a lot more flexibility, but you give the players more room to do their thing, because players will surprise the hell out of you with this with the answers that they come up with to problems, and like you already oh. said, it's like. They have to vanquish the Dark Lord back to their domain or something like that, right? You get a party that could go in there and be like, we're going to compel him with a convincing argument of why they should just go home and leave this place. And they totally socially engineer the whole thing and and, yep. and basically have a, a, a 
a, a con uh, not a contest. Um, they have a conversation and they just convince him. Yeah, this is totally not worth my effort. I'm going home. Well, if your game is if your game is mechanized, right? You could you know engage in a very dangerous duel of wits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they're going to craft a ritual. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I mean, players are players Tons are great. I you know yeah. the. Um, the more I can, the more, like, the more you can just let players solve, like, figure out the solution to the problem, the yep. better. I will say, so that the chat room can chew on this a little bit, there was a, a a very colorful discussion before the show between Jerry and I about whether or not Alex Rogan really counts as a chosen one in The Last Starfighter. And I say either no or super on the fringe because Alex Rogan wasn't the chosen one. Alex Rogan wasn't chosen to be the last Starfighter. Alex Rogan was one of many who passed the test on the video game and went off to join this campaign. He ended up being the only one left and saved everything, but he wasn't chosen to do that. So, well, this I, is an I, interesting I, point because he runs, like, he, he basically decides he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And then when he, like, rejects it, everybody else gets killed. And then suddenly it's like, oh no, you're the last one left. Like, you're, it hits a lot like, of the points, but it's it to me, it's just it's just on the edge there. It's like ah, I well, mean, it, I'm it gonna depends go back on to how him. deliberate. It depends on how deliberate fate or that higher power has to be. Like the yeah. fact that he runs away and he's the last one left after the attack. Mm-hmm. Like, is that fate has selected him as the last starfighter? Like. I understand your argument. It is definitely a border. Like it is the tennis ball on the line, right? Like I agree, but I I still think he's chosen because of a number of other factors. I mean, he's the one who has the the plans and the knowledge and the the earth skills that allow them to trick the Kodan Armada. Um, You know, he's not one. He's one of many, but by many we mean there were twelve others, Um, and that's it. Out of an entire galactic fleet, Um, and he wasn't chosen. You know, he's the only one that was chosen by the video game. The others, you know, they talk about this was one of Centauri's little scams that he was pulling off. So um, I agree he's on the fringe, but I still think he qualifies because he hits all of the all of the classifications. Um, and he ends up being the one who saves the day when nobody else can. Because especially once they're all killed, he is the only one who can save them. After the rest of the Starfighters die, he's it. Just him and Grig in the, in the modified Gunstar against Again, the entire Kodan Armada. He wasn't chosen to be the only one. <laughs> there was supposed to be a whole bunch that. of them there. No, the the party uh, is I, the, the the twelve I, of them are the chosen ones. I think the you're putting party a lot of is specifically on the set up though. I mean, we 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 just went through a whole thing, a whole mm-hmm. segment about why you use a party. All right, and this wasn't a. This is like the Marine Corps, and then inside the Marine Corps, you've got you know. Uh, you've got like a SEAL team, all right? Well, and I mean, now you're just mixing branches. <laughs> yeah. like, and, and, you're going to get, yeah, get some yeah. of our friends in the armed forces all riled up here. Green Berets, Green Berets are the Marines. No. Was, yes, Green, Berets are, Green Berets are Army, SEALs nope, are Navy. Um, nope, Green Berets are Marines. Army is, um, Army is uh, Airborne Rangers. Army Airborne Rangers, Marines are Green Berets, Navy SEALs, and I don't know if... Green Berets... Yeah. Oh man. Because of what because of what happened during the war in Kuwait, they had to combine the three into one unit because the Navy had the best uh had the best recon, the Marines had the best uh 
ground ground forces in the army had the best gunships. They had to make one special force the first time. I'm gonna I'm gonna not venture any deeper into this. This is not my <laughs> this is not my expertise. Uh, we I'm probably let... shouldn't get too far off the beaten path. Too we can. We I'm, can I'm more than yeah. certain that a couple of our listeners will straighten us all out when this is. Rays are in the army. Okay. All right. So jumping back into, I that. just did the thing where I kind of half clapped. Damn it. <sighs> Sorry, Rob. I stand corrected. I've been corrected that apparently the Green Braves are the Army Special Forces. All right. Well, there we I'm... go. Okay. So jumping back into the topic, we're going to finish the discussion with the roundtable, of course, as we do. Mm-hmm. Phil, what's our first question? Uh, this one's an easy one. Favorite chosen one in any story, uh, any story in media? Well, I think I'm going to pick Flynn from Tron. Nice. Um, he, uh, he gets thrown in against his will, doesn't really know what's going on, and... Um, and he's that one that I talked about where he doesn't actually defeat the bad guy himself. He facilitates the way that Tron could defeat the bad guy, but without Flynn, Tron doesn't get anywhere near the master control program. Um, mm-hmm. Flynn is there. Flynn kind of drives the story for most of it, putting Tron in the, in, in the way eventually. Um, and, uh, it goes from there. So uh, it was, it's, I just like Flynn. I, I always, I've always liked Tron. I've always thought Jeff Bridges did a great job of playing the kind of hapless hero, um, kind of enjoying his own video games when he realized that he's in a world he created, basically, um, and goes from there. Cool. Bob? Yeah, so I picked Anakin Skywalker. Um, and and there's, there, there's, some, there's some layering here, because in the prequels, I found Anakin to be a real whiny bitch. Um, but the overall story... Um, it's clearly a chosen one story, obviously. Um, <laughs> Obi-Wan laments the fact that Anakin theoretically, per Obi-Wan, fucks up the prophecy by, you know, like, you were the chosen one. You were supposed to bring balance to the Force. And it's right there in front of them the whole time. And it still boggles me to this day that none of these Jedi can put two and two together and go, there's like 800 of us and there's two Sith. How do you balance that? Kill the fucking Jedi. <laughs> like, come on, guys. It was right there in front of you. <laughs> like, you know it was going to go poorly. But uh, but overall, I think, you know, the, 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 whole, the whole arc is, uh, is very interesting. And, uh, and that's the one I chose. Phil's got a good one. I went with Mio from The Matrix. Um, I love the first Matrix movie a whole bunch. Easily my top five in my top five movies. Um, and uh, you see the whole chosen one arc uh, in that first movie, right? right? Like you see the whole thing with Neo. I watched um, the second one last night. So. Yeah. So I like the second one. The second one and the third one are okay. But that, that first one yeah. um, is so unbelievably classic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, his transformation starts in the subway scene. Yep. Right. It doesn't finish in the subway scene, but his transformation starts. And it's really funny because it's it's somewhat heavy handed because um, you've got Morpheus basically like narrating. Right. Yeah. Like he's what's starting happening to believe. Right. He's yeah. starting to believe. Right. Like, but it's great. And um, and and it's just like, I mean, it's that movie's so stylish. Right. It looks so oh, yeah. good. You know, after um, Smith kicks him down the way and he stands back up and he does that flex yep where the dust comes off of them right like it's so good um but even then in that like it's really like it's really interesting because in the end of that fight 
Um, Smith jumps on on Neo and puts him on the train tracks and calls him Mr. Anderson. Right. And his last line before he defeats Smith in that battle is that he says, my name is Neo. Right. It's his transformation. Right. Like Mm -hmm. he's like he's almost there. And then obviously the hallway scene in the hotel is the final transformation where he realizes that, you know, he has all that like he has the power now to defeat them. And I was very Um, happy that the Wachowskis threw us that little misdirect where he gets shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he stumbles back against the wall, and he slumps down, and you're like, "What? No, he's right. the chosen yeah. one." <laughs> and he get <laughs> he get Morpheus's face like, "What?" And then you get that moment where he's like, "No, no, it's all good." Well, it cuts over to Trinity, right? Yep. So Trinity's like Trinity's crying, and she's like, tells him he's got it, like you know, this can't be it, yep. right? And then finally, like, he stands, and that moment when he stands up, right? The music, yep. the like. And he gives that you know, little they, flex, and the walls go. It's oh, it's just it's so good, and right? Like, and, and, and when the agents suddenly realize, um, shit. Yes, oh, we're in I love just that like, face. Quick, they're just like, full of bullets. <laughs> just puts his hand up and stops all the. He takes mm-hmm. one out of the air, looks yep. at it, and drops it. So good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, Neo is Neo is probably one of my favorite all time um, yeah, chosen one, one stories. Cool. What's the next thank question? Thank you for the chat. Well, thank you for the chat room for correcting me. They are correct. I was wrong. The Marines are not part of the Green Marines are not part of the Marines. They are part of the Army. So thank you for that correction. Our chat room is always giving us good information. Yay. So question two: Have you ever played or run a chosen story in or chosen one story in a game? I wrote okay. Bob's answer. Yeah, and I and I was I was like, <laughs> yes, that's clearly where, where we would have gone. So in uh, Phil's Iron Heroes campaign, I played a character. Um, who was the vessel um, and it it did not start out that I was the chosen one um, there was I, I, I made some uh, uh, some choices when I created my character because I was just goofing around there, there's a story here I, I won't I won't drag it out but the short version is is that I didn't start out as the chosen one and then partway through Phil was like oh yeah this is where we're gonna go with this and then he revealed it to me. And I was like, oh, you magnificent bastard. <laughs> and actually, the chosen one was like only supposed to in the beginning to be um, for a story arc. Yeah. Then it like then it morphed one more time. Yeah. Um, for the finale. I still remember that moment. And, th- and this is why this is a good reason to keep the information of the character being the chosen one from them until a, a strategic moment because we were at Gen Con one year and Phil was running a game for a bunch of people that weren't in the regular campaign with other characters on a mission that was going to impact our campaign, but it wasn't actually, you know, with any of the, the actual players. And during the course of that, he hands me a note <laughs> and I forget what the, where, where the information came to my character. Um, but I, I got up and I started reading the note and as the, the the realization hit me, I had to like keep walking because it was just so huge. Like I couldn't just stand there with Phil sitting there like looking at me <laughs> as he's running his game and stuff. It was it was actually a very emotional moment because the impact of the of the 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 thing that I was chosen for was essentially to be 
um, the eternal prison for the big bad evil guy. When we defeated the, the demon king, just taking him down wasn't enough. We had to take his, his, uh, his essence, his life force essentially, and imprison it. And that was my job. I took it into myself and then held it for the rest of eternity, theoretically. <laughs> right. And then you had to be imprisoned. And then I had to be imprisoned and guarded in case <laughs> the, the demon king started to get loose from me. So, like, it was this whole thing. And just that moment of finding that information out and and understanding what my character had to do, it was wild, it was exciting, it was emotional, it was a great moment for the campaign. And I was like, oh man, if, if we had gone into this and I had known all along that that was what was going on, and the weight of that moment would have been so like, you know, like, dude, the amount of the amount of effort I would have had to do to keep you alive in the lower levels oh, to make that happen. Yep. Like it was easier. So I told you that in August and we finished that campaign in November. Yep. Um, and I only had to keep you alive for a handful of sessions. And, and by that point, you were like 16th level or something. Yeah. It was pretty hard to die. Yeah. Um, in the game, but it was still a concern all the way through. Yep. Like I had to like, you know, you know, what happens if Kelvin <laughs> dies? If Kelvin like, goes, yeah. So but it was, was, it was, it was, it was a, I mean, it was a pretty epic campaign. Like yeah. it had like, it had some big moments in that campaign. And yeah, yep. your original revelation of the vessel was um, you were to, to move this glyph of, of protection. Yeah. yeah. You were to move this glyph of protection from one city to another city so that um your um the people of your campaign could basically have um a helm's deep i think yeah. is what as players you asked for was we like a helm's deep we need that it's like all right <laughs> yeah so i was like okay so we did a whole story arc about how you had to lift the seal off of the floor of this church carry it inside of you to the new place and that was just like a story arc but yep. then you were always known as the vessel yep. and then i was like we well do better <laughs> well i think i had asked you one day because you had told me one day over lunch about like if kelvin dies if kelvin dies he dies like like if he dies in fighting the demon king or whatever like that, oh, yeah. that would be like he's, oh. he's perfectly he's perfectly willing to, to to go down during the fight if right if you know that's that's how he goes like that's a, and then that's I was I just took that a step further and was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, would you like condemn your character to eternity? Like, and it was a pretty emotional scene. Like when everyone else figured out what 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 it, what it meant. Yeah. Um. There was like there was like a whole round of goodbyes as everyone said goodbye to you as you got locked into, um, a a prison in the, the mountain. Yep. Like yeah, that was a heavy. That was a heavy ending. Good stuff. Ooh, I, was, I forgot. That's a hell of a game, man. Yeah. Um, I'll do mine really quick. I'll try to I'll try to keep it light because I only remember vague details <laughs> of it. I did a chosen one in um our vampire game in the 90s. Um I had um I had this Camarilla Sabat war between Toronto and Buffalo um and needed like a way to kind of end it in one big um like one big uh climax. Um and I had this whole thing where this um Elder Sabat um, had this prophecy that um, he was going to use to end the war, and it involved one of the characters. Um, the I think it was our our one vampire who had the most humanity because he was actually in love with a human, 
and um, he had to actually travel to Sabat territory. He had to do a couple of things. Um, I think he wound up doing things with different players in order to get all the pieces needed for the um, for this big um, climax to work. And um, and it was good. It was tricky. Um, it was tricky, and it, it definitely had spotlight issues because it did focus heavily on on one character, but it was only for a couple sessions. So I just kind of let it, um, I just let it ride that like Dan's character was going to be the, the, you know, focus of these last couple sessions. Um, and then once the war stopped, we still kept playing, like we played the aftermath of the war and all that. So then like Dan just went back to being like a, just another vampire. Like <laughs> it was fine. Like he did his, he did his bit. He helped end the war, and his reward for that was he got uh, granted progeny, like he was allowed to sire a vampire. Um, and then that was it. Like it was like he was no more the chosen one or anything else. It was just literally like he was chosen um, by this elder vampire to kind of finish up, like to bring end, to bring an end to the war. I don't know if Bob remembers more about it, but Bob's pretty old. Put his earbuds on real quick. Do you remember too much? Like, do you remember the intricacies of what Dan had to do to end the Sabat War? Oh Lord, no! I yeah, remember it was it was it's in a, convoluted. <laughs> it's in a notebook written in red gel pen yeah. because you know, yeah, it's vampire and it was the nineties, so the details were somewhere in there. Jer, how about you? I'm gonna sneeze. Oh, it's okay. Um, I had a three point five campaign, the one I've talked about before with the uh, Beholder, and. Um, I had the players were definitely the chosen ones. We had given them the chosen one prophecy, identified them, the whole thing, and the entire party died in a total in a TPK against a beholder. Um, and by died, I mean turned to stone and cracked. Four of them were disintegrated. They were not coming back. Um, and uh, we had to kind of rewrite the prophecy to make the new ones applicable. And the players worked hard on that with me. Um, luckily, uh, I had a copy of. Uh, Janelle Jackway's central casting. And there's a lot of interesting background stuff in there. And so as we re-rolled the character, the new characters and, and used the central casting to um, kind of pick their backstories, all the players played hard on um, whatever their background was, finding a way to tie it back into the ongoing campaign and plot. And basically deliberately making themselves another group of, of um of chosen ones and it was a lot of fun um and then they went on to actually complete the prophecy and uh the fact the first set of chosen ones died meant that the main villain's first plan succeeded and now they have to deal with the aftermath of that so it was a lot of fun um but uh, yeah we, we've had a lot of fun with those uh like i said the after show will tell you a story about one that didn't go as well but um basically just letting uh, that was a good example of letting the players kind of step in now that they know what the campaign story arc is and their new characters will be part of the chosen one story. So that's fine. Cool. All right. Third question. What is a chosen one story idea that you would like to run or play in? Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in like, you know, what the subversion of this trope looks like, right? Like what can you do to mess with this chosen one idea? So like one of the ideas I just had when I was like putting the notes together was like having a villain show up. Who's the chosen one like chosen to defeat the team like prophecy says like this guy is here to kick the crap out of you all like that kind of thing um just like mess with some of those like some of those tropes um because i think that's fun 
right? I, I, I like subverting tropes and things like that. Okay. How about you, Jer? Um, I would I would love to redo the chosen ones die and now you have to deal with the aftermath kind of thing. Um, I kind of love having that that sort of thing happen. Um, you know what? It, I've talked about this in other episodes. You know what do you do when Luke Skywalker gets killed off by the stormtroopers, or you know when um, you know what do you do if if Mr. you know Mister Smith manages to take Neo out? Yeah. You know how do you how do you move on from there? I love those. And especially the aftermath of what happens if you fail. Um, one of the Pathfinder Adventure Paths, actually most of the early Pathfinder Adventure Paths, part of book six always had, what do you do if the players fail? You know, what happens if the players don't manage to stop the rise of the Rune Lords? What if the Dark Elves do manage to drop a meteor onto the main continent? Um, what do you do if the Firebender manages to actually let loose the six brothers of the Tarrasque? You know, how do you deal with all of those storylines and plot lines? And those are all fun. And then you need another side chosen one to do something about those. So um, that's always anything to work with. So Bob, cool. Yeah, much like Phil, subverting the trope is is interesting to me. I would like to to I think it would be interesting to do. Um, you know, what if the this character was chosen to you know like burn it all to the ground, not save everything? You know, it's like what does that really mean? You know. Look through that prophecy, you know, like, am I, am I the destroyer of worlds? Like, you know, or is this group destined to basically destroy it all? Like, is that really what that means? Like, what are we going to do about that? (laughs) Cause then you get into that dance where it's like, we're trying to avoid the prophecy. And, (laughs) and usually when you try to avoid your destiny, you're stepping squarely into it. I mean, what if you're the group of people, what if you're the group of people that, um, you know, the chosen one's going to come and end this, you know, end this age. And you're like the rich people benefiting from the age. And you're like, you know, we really got to like, stop this chosen one, like yeah. give him the wrong prophecy, send him in the wrong direction. Like, what do we do here? Like to keep like this, ra- like this rain, you know, ongoing kind of thing. Yep. Cool. Um, I, I do like the one that Jerry had mentioned, like the the heroes all die. I, I like I would love one like where that happens and like um, something like in a um, like an ETU kind of uh, thing, like the heroes all die and like a bunch of college students find their relic weapons mm-hmm. and in doing so now become the new chosen ones. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're just like, you know, they're just college teens. Like with, you know, with these like relic weapons and they have little time before the prophecy comes to, you know, um, you know, before the dark one descends upon the earth, whatever, like whatever the prophecy is. That'd be a lot of fun. But they're, you know, freaked out because, you know, okay, but yes, but I also have a calculus test. Like exactly. Yeah. Those are the ones that are always fun. The the, what happens when we're now when we are the, the chosen ones and really don't know what to do. The reluctant chosen one, right? That's another subversion. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, what if Frodo was like, Oh, forget this ring thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not leaving town, right? And just like tucks, like, I'll just bury the ring in the back. Like <laughs> yeah. or Frodo says, screw this, and Sam's like, Well, somebody's gotta do it, damn it. So Sam takes it up and he goes, you know, by oh. himself or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have so much fun just messing with the like the structure's so classic. Um, that messing with it is fantastic. So much fun. There's a lot of room in there. 
wait, we had eagles? So, um, yes. Why didn't you just have the giant eagles fly us over there and drop the thing in the mountain? <laughs> kind of had a falling out with the eagles. Can't. It wouldn't have been an re- epic fantasy tale if the eagles just flew them over there on day one. It's true. More like a side adventure. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Well, you know, we'll just have the eagles bring us over to the mountain and throw it in. No, oh, all right. Well, we'll do that next session. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's the that's the whole thing cool next yeah. session we'll next session you guys infiltrate the mountain and uh throw it in there cool yeah just i'll hand wave the I'll hand wave the how you guys get over to the mountain that's right so you can tell lord clearly that um lord of the rings is meant to be um a free league game because you can't skip the travel yeah right like that's Clearly, clearly, it was meant above everything else. Was it needed to be a free league game? Yep, where travel always matters. Good times. Good times. All right. Well, that was our look at the chosen one. Yeah, we hope that if you are thinking about running a chosen one uh, in your game, hopefully chosen ones in your game, that you will put uh, some of our advice to use. Let's check in with the chat room one more time before we head off to the conversation corner. And of course, uh, you know, as Andy said, you know, oh, Luke gets killed. Guess who becomes the chosen one? Leia. There you yeah. go. Yep. Twin sister. Boom. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Better, <laughs> yep. better sibling. <laughs> Just saying. And if Sam had taken the ring, he would have gotten there in half the time. Yep. Sam don't fuck around. Nope. That's true. Sam wouldn't have messed around with Gollum. He'd have been like, get out of here. Yeah. He would have just killed Gollum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been it. But of course, there was a prophecy. Gollum had a part to play. It was. It was. It was not necessarily foretold, but you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Gandalf knew, like you know, Gollum's got a part to play. And sure enough, you get to the end, and you know, Gollum. Gollum's got to basically save Frodo from himself by trying mm-hmm. to take the ring back because Frodo decides, mm, I've succumbed. Make your will save. Uh, I failed. Fuck. Now well, what? you're not throwing it in the mountain. How are we gonna? Yeah. How are we gonna salvage this? We gotta have that ring going. Wait, Gollum. Yeah, there you go. GM intrusion. <laughs> GM bite intrusion. Your off. Gollum comes flying in. <laughs> Boom! Bite the finger off. <laughs> hey man, GM's got to do what a GM's got to do. You know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think the other. I think the other thing that we haven't that we didn't mention. I think we should just bring it up just once. Is that. Um, games that have hero points, gimme points, whatever, those can often be used um, by the player and the GM to subvert some of the pitfalls that we've seen. You know, oh, give, yeah. me, oh, yeah. give me hero points to take care of this. So having those, if you're going to have a game with, um, with, with a chosen one, make sure that you've got a couple of those, um, those, those, those extra bennies or whatever you want to call them, fate points, yeah. can help to... Um, push that storyline forward, especially as you come closer to uh, the end game or a scene where the GM realizes, you know, things are starting to go way off base and we need to get everybody, you know, keep everybody alive for a little longer. So, I mean, in fate, just throw a card on the table that says the prophecy, drop four invokes on it. Sure. There you go. Sure. Sure. You can yep. do that. Right. Like this is the big moment folks. Like, and in any of those games that have the currency, if that currency is, allowed to be spent on narrative control to yep. establish something uh, narratively in the, in the, in the session. You can also use that on both sides from GM and the players to be like, 
there was a translation error in the prophecy and you know it really means this or whatever so you can tweak that thing too with those yep. kind of why would you want to volunteer to be the chosen one andy you might get you know like chosen to be like riding a yak in a friggin frozen wasteland and <laughs> why well, i gotta be chosen to go to tibet why can't it be chosen to go to the bahamas exactly uh, great line. only a man whose heart is pure may wield the knife and only a man whose ass is narrow may fit down these stairs and if mine is such an ass then i shall have it <laughs> there it is you remember the line i, I couldn't think of it before and then it came to me part way through and i'm like oh, i'll save that for later <laughs> oh brother man. Num- brother numsi has forgiven me <laughs> <laughs> oh, did we forget Shira in our list of chosen ones? Right, like we did. We mentioned that when we talked about it. I, you and week. I think we mentioned it. I don't think yeah. we put it on the list. Yeah. But I'm it, not, and I'm not sure if that. I, I, I'm not. I haven't seen all of Shira, so I'm not positive that Shira qualifies as a chosen uh, one. Pretty sure Adora counts as. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure Adora counts as a chosen one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we can safely put Adora on that list. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Yep. Um, oh, all would right. you consider an avatar a chosen one? The guy from Avatar, the 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 like the Last Airbender, the Avatar. Oh, like I didn't, I haven't, I've actually never watched that, so I will leave that. I will leave that. Um, I will leave that to you to decide. That's or I should say, I just can't weigh in on it. Thought argument. I think you'd like it. Oh, I th- I'd probably like it. I just you know, and I, I mean, I'm getting better at getting through things. So mm-hmm. yeah, you should put uh, the Last Airbender and the Legend of Korra on your list to eventually. Oh hell to, yeah, because. They're 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 good stories, and the Legend of Korra is is interesting when you after you've gone through the Last Airbender, and then you get to the Legend of Korra and you see what they've done as they advance the timeline. Yeah, and a lot of interesting stuff happens in that show, and it's like, aha, wow, okay, that's interesting. That's cool. Okay, well, let's do the thing where we roll on into our conversation corner. All right, so let's see what's been going on with the rest of us. So, uh, we mentioned uh, Minecraft up above, um, and we say up above like you know, like earlier in the well, show. Well, it's up above up for above us in the notes. It's, show so. notes. <laughs> it's earlier, it's I think, is how we say it. Earlier, earlier right? Previously yes. on the Misdirected Mark podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, oh, Andy. Yeah, you can you can do an update on uh, on the death count. <laughs> Because at one point it was like Jerry, like five, and pretty much everybody else, none. <laughs> and then some people started catching up. Uh, Jerry's got eight. Andy's got six. Oh, no. I've got five already? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's about right. Tony's got two. Rich has one. There you go. Phil's got one. That was me. I killed Phil. <laughs> little, or at least I a little helped. Friendly, little friendly fire accident. little friendly there, fire yeah. with the boomerang. I definitely killed Jerry once. Now, if we had had the shurikens, we would have killed each other much faster. Are are shurikens even part of the game now? No, no, because it's not part of Tinkerers. Although there is a 116 Tinkerer, so the next pack we build will have Tinkerers back in it. Oh, good. So, yeah, uh, Minecraft um, has been been a fun change of pace uh, going back to that from Valheim. Valheim is not over. Jerry and I are are, going to look at the schedules and and pick a day and be like, this is going to be Valheim day. And maybe we can do it on the regular, like, you know, yep. like every Wednesday or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing it <clears throat> not specifically. Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday is a good day, just not this Wednesday. Yeah. So so um, so that'll be a thing. But um, but yeah, as I mentioned above, uh, Minecraft and Lego brick therapy has been nice. Um, 
for uh, <clears throat> kind of uh, mellowing me out. A uh, lot of condo hijinks going on. <laughs> it's just like the the hot water tank that's shared between my unit and the and the next door uh, unit um, was making this god awful hammering noise, this thumping, like somebody was banging on it with a friggin' uh, rubber mallet, and it's just all through the night over the weekend. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Finally, a guy comes out and he starts figuring it out. And he's like, oh, I got some bad valves on here. He replaced them. And knock on wood, it's been quiet the rest of the day. But no sooner does he walk out the door to get in his truck, I hear this beeping. And I'm like, what the hell is going on now? So I'm listening. And it's like every like 90 seconds, every like two minutes, there's just this beep. And then finally it dawns on me. That's the, I need a new battery for the smoke alarm that was above the oh, door. Sure, sure. Where the where the thing is, turns out it wasn't even a smoke alarm. There were two units. There was a CO detector and a smoke alarm like two feet from it. And the CO detector, not only the battery died, but the unit was faulty. And the guy that replaced, he just took both of them out and replaced it with a single unit that does both jobs. Brand new with like a 10-year quote-unquote battery. And So that got taken care of. So that's been quiet again. Um, I've got the the um the guy from Lowe's installations uh scheduled for tomorrow morning to come in and finally replace my sliding uh closet doors and the door to my bedroom nice um, and uh, uh the door to the the laundry room so all that stuff and a plumber also to replace a faucet and replace a shower head and stuff like that so tomorrow's going to be a fun day took the day off of work um <clears throat> but there's just been a lot of stuff going on um and then uh, continuing my watch through community, I'm like halfway through season two, 12, 13 episodes in. Um, the animated Christmas episode was ridiculously fun. I, I was like, what is going on here? This is stop motion animation. And then it's like, oh, it's a special Christmas episode. That makes sense. Okay. Um, but yeah, what a what a dysfunctional family those, those, uh, those people are in that show. <laughs> <laughs> but a family nonetheless you know a found family yes. is the way it's at, the way the, the, the way of the world found family is where it's at um Agreed. and i guess that's about it for me jerry what do you got well minecraft for me as well um i had a bit of a of, of an of an incident where when we spawned um the thing that everybody else started with mine had a, had a glitch in it so uh, i started out with a not really a house or any gear and which is part of how I died the first couple times, just I was stumbling around. But uh, my favorite part of Minecraft is the exploration. So I've spent the last like three nights watching TV and at the same time, just wandering way out in the wilderness. I didn't realize how far my my new village is from base camp. I guess I'm like 4000 blocks from oh, yeah. base camp. And then I went another like 12,000 blocks across the northern wilderness picking up resources and bringing them back to the, to the party. So I'm just having a good time. And um, uh, Chris got on last night and kind of helped us out. And Andy got on last night and we did some exploration and um, found pumpkin patches and just Minecraft's a lot of fun because it's got different things from people. If, if you just want to go out and hunt and kill stuff, there's plenty of bad guys to fight. If you want to build super technological stuff like Phil and um, uh, Tony the Rainmaker do, you can get into all sorts of creations and machines and things like that. Um, and even though we've kind of spaced ourselves out a lot more than we than we have in some of the past ones, 
people are still sharing things. I mean, Tony built some ridiculously complicated mechanical stuff. And then immediately, as he always does, hey, everybody, I just did this thing. Come and use it all you want. You know, he's got resources and his he's always had this theory of just if I've got it and you need it, just take it and I'll make more. And it seems to be one of his favorite things. Um, so it's just been a lot of fun. And uh, after that, uh, I did a little bit of Lego, I've been building some smaller sets, some cars and things along that line that I picked up. Um, I ended up getting two Lego friends buildings that are the same buildings. So I want to make them into an actual whole 3D building instead of just a half side thing. So we work on some projects on that. Um, I watched Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which I've never read the children's books, but I thought it was a perfectly fun PG-13 kind of kind of horror movie and a lot of fun. Um, this is my bachelor week. My wife is on vacation for the next week and a half. So uh, I'm sitting here at home by myself. So I'm getting a lot of TV time in and things like that and uh, fending for myself for food, which has been less cooking and more takeout. And lastly, last two things I did is I, I watched, I've been catching up with Psych. And I also forgot I watched the new Mortal Kombat movie that came out. And it was much better than I expected. It was a lot of fun, decent fight sequences, a decent plot. Um, if you enjoyed the first Mortal Kombat movie, this is like that, but with a better plot and with better action sequences. Um, and uh, they really set the tone. And there's a couple of chosen ones. And actually, all the good guys in that, that's a party of chosen ones, literally, mm. that, that become uh, the Mortal Kombat thing. Uh, it is gory. It's much bloodier than any of the previous ones were. It's bloody like the like the move like the game is, um, and uh, a lot of the characters don't survive the movie. I was surprised at how many of the characters die in the movie, which was kind of interesting and fun. But I guess also there's got to be like 50 now Mortal Kombat characters, so that works fine. Yeah, there you All go. right. So that was me. I just had a lot of fun just watching a bunch of stuff this week. Phil, how you doing? Oh uh, well, I mean, felt better. Um, I played a little bit of Minecraft. I've actually been like a little too uh, tired to play this week um, just from not feeling well. So I'm uh, not very far into the game at this point. Um, I got a lot of, I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of stuff I can do um, in the game that I just haven't done yet. Um, I did finish season eight of the blacklist that dropped like a week or two ago. I finished it off. Um, It hints at a really cool theory about who Raymond Reddington is. Um, one that I hope that they embrace. Um, they've hinted towards it enough that I think that um, I would be very happy if that's the way it goes. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I was, um, if it is the answer, it's pretty impressive. Um, so I, I would like it to be that. Um, I played some Horizon Zero Dawn on the PS4. That game's amazing. Jeez, that's a that's a really fine game. Like just... Um, it did some hunting, some crafting. Uh, it's gorgeous. Like the game's just like, it's visually gorgeous. Um, looks great on my TV. Uh, so yeah, I've been playing a little bit of that. That was fun. Uh, and then I needed something lighter because as I said earlier, I got upset watching the squid game. Uh, so I started watching the good place. I've heard a lot of good things about that. Um, and so far enjoying it. I'm in season one. I'm almost at the end of season one. It's uh, quite enjoyable. The characters are really good. Um, this is the best older Ted Danson. I didn't like him so much on CSI, but uh, like he he's great on uh, he's great on on this show. Um, he's quite funny. Um, but yeah, it looks good. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, just kind of watch that. It's a nice. It's a lighter watch. 
Um, I've been laying on the couch for the last couple of days because I just haven't really had the energy to do very much. Um, so I, I watched, I went back and watched some DS9 the other night and I've just been like watching like random TV stuff. Um, I was watching some How I Met Your Mother episodes because, nice. you know, there's, you know, those are, those are um, immortal. I just watched last night the one where Marshall's dad dies. And, and that is like, I mean, one, it's, it's such an excellently crafted episode with a countdown yep. all through it. But the other thing I heard, and I forget where I read this, I thought I read it somewhere on the internet, was they didn't tell um, Jason Siegel, the uh, actor, like they, they didn't tell him the last line when, when Lily gets out of the car and tells him the news. Ooh. Like he, he just ad libs that. Wow. Um, but yeah, I watched that episode. Like it, it's a hard episode to watch, but it's like so, um, it, it's so, you know, it's just, it goes to the writers of that show. Like yes. that, the writers of that show were capable of um, telling amazing stories in a 22 minute sitcom format. Yep. Um, I mean, from very funny to touching, like, like they were able to pull all those things off. And so I will like, I can forever watch how I met your mother. Like yeah. um, I always enjoy that, but it's yeah, I just, like I said, for like, since Sunday, I've, I've spent a good deal of time, flopped onto my couch because sitting up was hard um i did get a gift the other day um senda sent me a new blanket a very cool um a very cool um millennium falcon blanket that is now on my couch um replacing the blanket i had on the couch with this the cool millennium when you guys come over next time you'll see it um and then what oh and bob blew up our our sunday game so um (laughs) It's fine. It. I mean, it's the way of. Uh, it's it, it's the it's, way it goes. Uh, Bob was like, um, you know, <clears throat> we haven't, you know, uh, you know, not feeling it. Yeah, We've just, started the the dance to discuss the next game. Yep. Um, it's tricky. Like, it's tricky. I really like I Hunt. There's nothing wrong with I Hunt as a game. It's a whatsoever. fine game. It's a little intense. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm starting to wonder if what that group needs is something less intense. Like maybe we need something a little funnier. <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the magic. Yeah, I don't know if if necessarily funnier or just lighter. Because um, you could do like like just for an example, because you're not really into fantasy is a huge favorite of you. No, me. Let's say if if you know we decided to do some kind of epic fantasy type of thing. Um, there's it's not light but it's not super intense, you know, hopeful, I think is the word. Maybe Hopeful uh, is probably a good word. Um, there's a bunch of different ways we can go. And I'm sure we'll, I mean, that's like, I'm not going to, you know, like I'm not offering up um, twilight 2000 to that yeah. group. Yeah. I don't think like, we're, I don't think that'd be a good fit right now. <laughs> no. Twilight 2000, I think is going to be the game I offer up after we finish Knights black agents, but we're not even close to the end of Knights black agents. So you know, we got a ways to go on that one. We got ways. We got ways to go on Knights Black Agents, um, which is why I said I'm going to get Twilight 2000 and just go put it up on a shelf for a while. Like, yeah. it's fine. That game can sit. I don't know. I I don't know what the next. Um, I don't know what the next game is for. Um, for that group, like, I I threw out a few ideas. They were all lighter, in uh, you know, classic Ghostbusters from West End Games. Yeah. Um, a few other things i'm interested to see what people are are drawn towards because um i love running for you guys and um 
I'm down for whatever. Like as long as I find it mild, you know, as long as I find it interesting to run, um, I'm not, I'm not terribly picky. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, like we're going to need some suggestions cause we're going to yeah. need, some, we're going to need some ideas. Cause it's not like I have a huge backlog of things that I'm like, Oh, I got to get these to the table. I have a huge backlog of games. I don't have a huge backlog of games right now that I'm like, I got to get these to the table. Like I have some games that I'm like, someday I'm going to play this game, Yeah, but not necessarily right away. Like you really need to kind of, I, I, part of it is like, we really just kind of need to figure out what it's we're trying to scratch. Yep. Um, and I don't think we did wrong with I hunt. I thought I hunt was perfectly good. I think we all liked it, but um, you know, the game's definitely, it, it's, it, it's a, it's a horror game on two levels, right? Like, I mean, oh, yeah. there's the horror of capitalism, mm-hmm. um, which is the thing that, you know, is, is a, um, is a theme throughout it. Um, and Tony definitely did. And Tony, I think Tony had some problems with the, um, like we murder things for money, hmm. even yep, though they, they were monsters, like a little, a uh, little rough. Yeah. In that area, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the one, the one game I played, you, you find yourself wanting to cut, wanting to come to some sort of nonviolent and, you know, resolution and, yeah. and you, and you can't do that. That's not what this game is. about. That's not what this the game's game. about. That's the, like, that's the yeah. hard part to the, um, it's, I mean, it's the other hard part to the game is that like, you would like to solve this problem some other way, but you are yeah. being paid to murder your way through this problem. Yeah. And it creates a, it, it creates a very uncomfortable, um, it, especially in our group, it creates an uncomfortable edge. Our group is not, um, that particular group is not always solve problems, um, with a sword. Yeah. Right. So I really don't know yet. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go through a whole bunch of my games and just kind of look for some other, um, for some other potential candidates. Yeah. I don't know but, what, I mean, it, the idea could fit into a lot of different systems and then we should probably jump into the, jump into the end. Yeah. But, um, it might be a fun idea with that group to explore the um, the uh, unwitting group chosen ones mm-hmm. concept. Yeah, I just like, have to find know, the right like game. All of it. the all of the regular chosen ones are all dead now, and now we are it. Like, uh oh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what that would fit into, I don't know. I've said, but. I've said before that that group does exceedingly well when um, there is a mix of um, something normal and something extraordinary. Yes. Like the, like having a regular life plus having an extraordinary thing is a combo that almost always works, mm-hmm. um, works with this group. So yeah. I don't know what the answer is yet. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to go exploring. I'm sure we'll looking through some facer at Marvel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, superheroes game. Like, yeah. but Space Rip Marvel's, I don't know, it, like masks worked really well for them. Mm-hmm. Like masks was an extraordinarily good fit um, for them because it was less about um, superhero stuff. I mean, it was, it was the there was plenty of superhero stuff between people with some superhero stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like those things that went off exceedingly well. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. I was looking at because uh, somebody was talking about face rip the other day. Oh, I saw it on TikTok. Somebody put it up. Um, have you played face rip? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> not in a while. Yeah. Like, so anyway, All maybe right. we should roll out. So that means it's time for the Patreon <laughs> shout outs. So thank you very much to Savannah Sizer, hey. Steve Bissonette, Steve Radabaugh, 
T-Kustic, who once again is in the Minecraft server and doing some very interesting construction. A kind of a great wall kind of a thing uh, going on over there by the... Uh, I saw that from the map. I was like, what the hell is yeah, that? I had to go fly T-Kustic. over and take a look at it. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet. Theodore. Oh, Atkinson. you can't miss it. You can't miss it on the map. It's huge. Uh, Tom Hay, Victor Wyatt, Ryan Megala, Matthew Schrader, and Noah Bond. And thanks to everyone for listening tonight. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. The Queen's Time, come join us live on Twitch where you can chat with other listeners in the awesome chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. If you can't make the live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. And take a listen to some of their shows in the Stryker Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bonesworn Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panas Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Jungu Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcast, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming MPS. Just before you confront the prophecy to save the world, you should leave us some feedback, especially in case you die. Um, you can read us directly on the old-fashioned emails at mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Check us out on the Twitters. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. He's Robert M. Everson. He's GM Gerrymander. I am DNA Phil. If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Django Hustle is at patreon.com slash Django Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop! We out.